Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Nomad World weekly series. I'm Becky, and I'll be your host. And today we're back with another Digital Nomad destination guide with a very long time expert of our destination today, Koh Lanta, Thailand. And Kevin Ohashi is here to talk about it with us. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hi, Becky. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be back. And I am excited to talk to you about Kalata. Yes. So for those who follow the show, this is Kevin's second appearance. We talked about domains and finding domains, buying and selling them. Uh, but what you probably didn't know at the time when you were watching is that Kevin is also an expert about Kalanta, Thailand in terms of the digital nomad scene. How many years have you spent on Kalanta or have you been going there, Kevin? So I've been going there for about 10 years now and I've probably spent near four-ish years on the island if I had to guess. Wow. Possibly more. Wow. Yes, you are definitely an expert. Kevin, I just want to stop for a moment. I think I hear something in the background and it might be disruptive. Is there something in your background that's making noise? Uh, or... There's somebody else on another call in another room. Okay. I thought it was a television or something. So I just wanted to check. Um, we'll see how it goes. No, but Co-working. Co co co-working. <laughs> You're in a co-working. Digital Nomad. A friend's co-working house. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, just so everybody knows. Okay. So you have spent eight to 10 years basically on Colanta. And I want to start, I like to kind of come in and first imagine people are arriving to the destination. So if, if you're entering Thailand, um, how easy is it? Do you know if a lot of people can stay on a visa for like 90 days or what's the typical amount of time you can stay on a visa or with no official visa when you land in Thailand? So assuming you're on a passport that's they're friendly to, I think most of the Schengen, the Americans, the Canadians, I think you get 30 days on arrival for most of those passports. So no visa ahead of time, you just show up, they stamp you in for 30 days and you can extend it at an immigration office for an extra 30. Um, and that costs about 2000 baht, I think 1900 baht, which is somewhere around $60. So you can get 60 days just kind of showing up. Um, longer than that, you need to get a visa ahead of time. So you can get a 60 day tourist visa or there's a six month multiple entry tourist visa that you can apply for. But that you need to do in your home country before you get in, is that how it work? Mm, I don't know about for all the countries, but for the US at least, you can apply online at the embassy. Um, they have a website and the thing, everything's digital. So you just get a, a PDF if they approve you and you just need to take that piece of paper without ever going to an embassy, no stamp, no nothing, just a piece of paper. So I guess in theory, it could be done online without being in your home country. Okay, and then another question is, can you make a visa run and get 30 more days just by leaving for a weekend to a neighboring country and then coming back in? I think that's a bit trickier. That's a yes and no. Uh, people used to do that a lot 
now I think they're cracking down on it a lot more. If you're doing it over and over and they see stamps, a lot of stamps, I think they maybe are going to ask more questions. It also probably depends on which airport, which agent, kind of, it's more of a gamble. Theoretically, you could, there could be issues. And I know they were trying to stop that repeat, but I see people offering these services. There's flights or bus runs to Malaysia or Cambodia or somewhere just to do that. So it's kind of a murky area, it seems. Okay, just noted for everybody, as you said, I think Thailand in the last few years did start to crack down more on these multiple visa runs and people staying, let's say, beyond two or three months. Yeah, they they want you. They also assume, I think, you're working or like living there, like taking jobs away if you're staying longer term and not properly accredited with the visa. Um, but there are services to help you get longer stay visas. You can learn Thai. You can get an education visa for one year and learn Thai or learn Muay Thai if you want for fun. Um, so there are other options if you're really interested in staying longer. In terms of Koh Lanta, uh, could you get a Muay Thai visa for that region? Do they have a Muay Thai center? Oh, yeah. There is a... Muay Thai gym, and they will happily help you get set up. Um, there might be multiple, but they're there on the island. Um, I think there at least used to be a Thai education school, so you could do an education visa as well. So okay. pretty much everything's there if you need it on Kolanta, except to know. the immigration office. That's Where is exactly. the closest immigration office? Oh, you said Krabi. Okay. Yeah. So it's that, the same province. It's just an hour and a half bus ride, car ride to the office. And it's my favorite immigration office that I've ever been to so far. Just walk in. My average time there is about five minutes to get an extension. Just walk in. They sign a few documents, pay the money. They take it for like a minute or two and you're done. That is fantastic. And that was my next yeah, question for it for you when you mentioned Krabi. Like, how do you get to Koh Lanta if you're arriving, let's say, into Bangkok or Krabi? So most people would fly to Krabi Airport. That's the nearest airport. Um, you fly there. You can get buses um, at the airport. It's full of people trying to sell you the bus service. Um, it's a few hundred baht, probably like 400. Uh, they just redid the airports in slightly different layout than I'm used to. But more or less the same people screaming at you, offering you taxi, bus, where are you going? You want to just get the local bus. Or if you're feeling a little luxury, you can get a taxi or a car. Um, and depending on where you're staying, if you're staying at a hotel or something, some of them will offer you know, free shuttles or car service. Depends on how you like to travel, but the cheapest is the local bus. It's probably about 400-ish last I took it. 
And this is a mini bus. 30 minutes. Yeah, it's a mini bus. So the you so and people know. person they can cram in there. Um, <laughs> it's not a huge tour bus, guys. Stack to, to the brim. Um, and hopefully you all fit and it's comfortable. And if you're lucky, the air conditioning is running really well. All right. So, <laughs> and then you get on the bus. And I know, like, Colanta, for people that may not know, it's an island. So, how do you get to the island, not a bus? What? So, so, yes, it's an island. It is incredibly close to the mainland that there is a car ferry that takes about 15 minutes to get across the water. Um, and then Kowanta is actually two islands. There's, and they finished building a bridge a few years ago between them. So it used to be two car ferries to get to the island where most people are. Uh, yeah, there's Lanta Noi, Noi being small and yai being big so most people are on the lenta yai the big island that's what people think of it's 30 kilometers long full of beaches noi has people living it's mostly all locals uh and then there's the bridge between them that was a, a big impression uh when i went there the first time was like getting to Kolanta is quite an adventure but it's become easier as we've just said with these bridges and this airport that's now been remodeled. So um, it's easier than ever to get there. And so once you get there, um, before we arrive, last question about like the preparation, is there anything you should bring to the island with you, either from the mainland of Thailand or from outside that is hard to find there that you might really need to bring? Good cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the the grocery options are a little lacking. Uh, there's <laughs> there is a local large Jewish grocery store. You know, it has basics, but if you want anything kind of fancier on the food scale in Western, uh, you would be better off bringing it. Krabby has a big macro that if you're living on Atlanta, people would often go to macro and buy more to bring to the island for food-wise. But for other things, it has just about everything that you could need to live on an island. It's, it's equipped for that. Yes, okay. But when I went there, and I don't know if you're gonna agree with me, I think you will. I was all about the Thai food, checking out all the restaurants, cooking at home was not really a thing in Koh Lanta. Yeah. And most people probably don't. I would guess until the COVID era, I don't know that I really ever cooked a meal while there. I think most places I stayed didn't even have a kitchen. It'd just be a, you know, a room. So, yeah. But if you do stay there longer and sometimes it suddenly happens, you'll miss miss those kind of things the food yeah especially long term which we're going to get to that story that yeah. i know you're talking about um okay <laughs> so now we've arrived we figured out we don't really need to bring a bunch of food with us it's all there um where should we look in terms of accommodation what's the best way to find like short term versus long term where do you recommend so for short term i would probably just look online like Booking or Airbnb, although there's not as many Airbnbs and they seem 
pretty pricey, but the hotels, there's lots and lots of hotels. Like I said, it's 30 kilometers long. If you're only staying a few days, just book something ahead of time. That's easy. If you're staying longer and it's your first time, I would recommend still booking something ahead of time just for a few days and then kind of just going around the island and figuring out where you want to stay. You'll get a lot better deals in person if you go to the place and ask, you know, how much would a month cost? Everything is negotiable. So, yeah, if they tell you something, you can probably negotiate most of the things. Um, so you get better deals. And there's a lot of places that aren't listed, smaller ones. And you might meet somebody who says, oh, yeah, I have a guest room that's not listed anywhere. Just happens to be there. So would you suggest? That's what I recommend. If you're negotiating, would you suggest starting like 20%? less than a listed price i wouldn't know where to begin if it were me uh well i want to hear what they offer first and i wouldn't go with probably the first place right away i would probably go to a few places and ask the prices kind of gives you a sense of what everyone's offering and if there's one you like more and somebody's offering you one that's not as nice but it's a little less that might be a good negotiating point um, but it really depends on how busy they are, the season, like during the low season, the prices are going to be dramatically lower, um, and how busy the year is. So, I mean, you could start 20%, but really you would probably want to see what other people are offering and kind of benchmark off that. Okay. When is the low season versus the high season? So it, there's basically two seasons. There is rainy and not rainy, and the high season is not rainy, which also coincides with like the northern hemisphere's winter. Uh, so around October to October, November-ish is the start of the high season, and that goes until maybe, let's say, April. Um, that's roughly the high season and it tends to be not rainy there there is a little bit of rain sometimes but you can often go i've gone probably an entire month without any rain which is nice as a tourist but uh maybe not as great as a local or if you're trying to you know have any sort of crops plants everything getting dry but if you're sitting on a beach all day, it's it's pretty nice. My last question about accommodation, which is going to lead into CoHub, the only, from what I understand, co-working space on the island. It's like kind of thought of as the only one because it was the first and it's definitely the biggest. Um, where should I try to stay if I want to be within easy walking distance of CoHub? If I don't have a scooter or plan on doing mostly uh, walking? Well, mostly walking on Atlanta is probably difficult. It is fairly spread out as an island. Uh, like I said, it's like 30 kilometers long. And Cohub is on Long Beach, which is named because it's the longest beach. And it's probably, oh, how long is it? 
if I had to guess, maybe like five kilometers-ish. And it just, Cohub is about two-thirds of the way down the beach. And you know, it's the biggest beach, and there's lots of restaurants and bars, but they're spread over five kilometers. So walking is possible, but maybe not the most enjoyable thing when it's over 30 degrees every day and really sunny. Um, I don't know. Maybe some people enjoy sweating a whole bunch. and but Well, people I'll give you an scoops. example. <laughs> I was scared of driving a, a scooter, which is a lot of people do drive scooters. Yeah. There's other options, but I didn't want to have to face, you know, all that every day. So I did try to find accommodation close to the co-working. Do you know any yeah. places off, off the top of your head that are close so we don't have to um, get the cars all the time or other, other ways to get around? There is a whole bunch of them right next to the co-working space. Um, I think one was called Grand House. Uh, and if you find that on the map where Cohub is, there's, there's that. There's another, I think... Um, Pry Apartments, maybe is the name that's on the other side of the little alley right to Cohub. There is a few behind Cohub that I don't remember the name of. And there's a few, there's a hostel just across the street. There's a hotel right across the street. Um, there's, there's probably about a dozen hotels and apartment places within easy walking distance, probably a couple hundred meters. So there's plenty. I would just go to Google Maps and type in yeah. Cohub and then just look at the neighbors. There's, and I think people have been building more apartments nearby because of the demand. And Cohub itself even has apartments uh, or little bungalows, not apartments. So I think there's four or six of them that yeah, they you can find them so on you their can website. Just live at the co-working space if you really like. I think people do find that really appealing when they want to put their head down and work really hard. Cohub is a great place to do that with all everything right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's probably my favorite co-working space. I've been going since almost the day it opened. Um, it's very welcoming the community is it's interesting because a lot of the co-working spaces you go to in the cities and stuff there's people who live there and go there regularly but it's kind of a different vibe if you're traveling um you're kind of interrupting someone who lives there and maybe it's not as welcoming and friendly whereas at cohub almost nobody lives on Colanta permanently so you have this constant full stream of people who are also traveling and want to meet people and hang out and do stuff. And at the same time, the audience is more kind of work heavy. It's not just a, just a party spot. I won't say it isn't a party spot. There is uh, tends to be quite a bit of that because you're on a, a beach island in paradise. But there's a lot of head down, I think, work hard, play hard kind of attitude. 
Yeah. Um, what else is what what else makes Cohub your favorite co-working space? What is so great about this place on this little island in Thailand? I mean, for me, the co-working is about the it's the co, the collaboration, the cooperation, the community, it's the people. And I think it's curated a pretty great for lack of a better word, vibe. <laughs> um, so every year you will see a lot of people who come back year after year, like myself. So it's kind of, it's almost like getting home to me at this point, you know, even if I don't know who's there, I'll walk in and still see a dozen familiar faces because during the high season, there could be a hundred plus people at the co-working and so, yeah there's friendly faces that you recognize. And a lot of these people, you go year after year. So you have this nice familial attitude. Um, and I really appreciate that, but it's also welcoming to new people. And I, I don't know, I've probably met many hundreds, if not over a thousand people through that space. And that, kind of connection and people generally I would say the average is like one or two months that people stay so you actually get to know people there's not a lot of I mean, there's a little bit but not much it's it's a pain to get to the island <laughs> compared to many places so when people go they stay a little longer so you get to know people a little better and since you're hanging out all the time going out going to dinner like you said you never cooked you know twice a day, at least, maybe three times if you actually wake up in the morning, which I don't. Uh, you know, you're going out with people, having lunch, having dinner, making you know, those connections. And that's pretty special. And the co-working space itself facilitates a lot of that. There's a weekly schedule of events. So it'd be like a board game night every week. You um, think they do like a pub quiz, either going to one or people host their own. There's, um, well, when I'm there, I maybe tell everyone I have to go to karaoke every Friday night. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> that for a moment. Dismay of some people. What's uh, the name but... of the of this famous karaoke place that you always tell people to go, which is actually really close to Cohub, just a bit down the road. Yeah, so it was a place called Funky Monkey. And it had giant uh, monkey statues on the roof. It was not the prettiest place. And it was a karaoke bar. But I, it went out of business during COVID. And it was bought by another bar. So now it's called Free Descent. Um, and I, at least last I heard, they were still doing once a week on Friday night karaoke because the place was still set up for it. And they give you a drink but, when you sing, <laughs> Kevin. I was there. That, that was the old policy. I don't know if it's still going, but yes. It has remained. You sang a song, you got a free shot, which really helps you sing the next song. <laughs> I want to stay more. I want to spend more. Um, another thing I have to say, I don't know how much you made use of this, but Cohub is the only co-working space I have ever been to that had built into its website a food ordering system where you could order classic Thai dishes 
from the kitchen at CoHub, and they would literally be brought right to your desk. So you didn't even have to stop working. You could just start eating. And I, I loved that. I just love the convenience. If I really needed to be working, you can, you could have three meals a day right at your desk, which it sounds like a nightmare for some people, but to me, that flexibility was absolutely, it's a game changer. Yeah. Um, a lot of people really like that. I think, um, so when you go, if you get the bungalows, I think they have a whole plan where you get like a meal plan, your accommodation and the co-working. So basically you could never step off the co-hub property if you decided not to. You could have everything you could ever ask for, uh, which is really convenient. Um, I think it's a really easy entry into the place. I think most people will find after a month or two, you know, maybe you actually find restaurants you like and it, it maybe doesn't work as well long term. But as far as entry into the system and into the place, it's a fantastic option. Yeah, it really is. And you mentioned that it's on Long Beach, but I want to clarify that it's it's facing like a little forest or like a lot of greenery is in the back. They have what's called a Zen zone. You can go and meditate in the back. It's really beautiful, but it's not looking at the beach. But I know there's a tradition of going across the street to the beach and everybody yeah. will have like a sunset drinks little like moment with each other so every every friday they would do a sunset drink event and so one thing i guess i should clarify i'm so used to being there uh when i say it's on long beach everything on the island is kind of measured and determined like located by it's what beach is on because it's just it's a one road pretty much there's a other side of the road it's the island could be a couple kilometers wide but everything's on one side that tourists go for the most part that's where the beaches are that's where all the hotels resorts and so when you're measuring where something is you'll say oh it's on long beach or it's in kong which is a beach north of long beach where all the swedish families live so that's kind of how everything's measured is which beach. So, you know, like where to drive your motorbike. It's on that stretch of the road by that beach. Yeah. Cohub's not actually physically right next to the beach. It's on the other side of the road. We call it, it'll be the beach side or the mountain side. So and it is on this the mountain side. behind me is literally where you have your drinks. It's like this wide of a beach and the sunsets are really beautiful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it faces all the beaches face west of the sunsets under the water every day. So pretty much at sunset o'clock, the beaches get <laughs> full of people. Everybody's out. All the restaurants and bars are you know, packed with people enjoying it. And almost every night you get that nice, beautiful beach sunset. Amazing. Let's start talking about restaurants and bars since we brought it up a few times now. What are your favorite places to eat? I think my absolute favorite was probably a restaurant called Kindy, K-I-N-D-E-E. And they moved not too long ago. There's, they have two restaurants now, kind of. During COVID, he's Kindy is kind of a fine dining restaurant um, and fine dining went really kind of out of style 
during COVID when there's no people and no tourists. So he opened up a place called Kin Burger, which if you want just like a smash burger that's cheap, delicious, and some of my favorite brownies I've ever had, that was the place. But Kindy is the fine dining restaurant, which now after all the COVID stuff has reopened, um, it's my favorite. It's fine dining at, let's say, a very small fraction of the price you would experience in a big Western city. But it has great flavors. It's fusion, you know, Thai, Western fusion fine dining. Any other places that you like? Those sound great. Yes. So one of my favorite restaurants for eating in Sunset was called Fat Turtle, which is at the southern tip of Long Beach. Um, the food's pretty good, uh, but also the view is unbeatable. If we looked at your background picture, it's pretty much right behind your head uh, and facing right out on the water. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another favorite good food thing large cocktail menu and the view is perfect for sunset so i would like that a lot um, there is oh so many other local thai restaurants um i as a if you could guess i spend most of my time in the long beach ish area <laughs> so there's a lot there um my favorite dish is mugrab. I'm actually, I don't know if you can see. Oh, wow. Represent. Uh, <laughs> mugrab. Yes. On your oh, t-shirt. You, you can actually see it's the crispy pork. It looks delicious. Yep. We, had, <laughs> we had these. <laughs> we had these custom made. Because... Uh, Obviously, nobody sells a t-shirt with crispy pork on it. That'd be ridiculous. But they should, because it's amazing. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> and I would for especially Luka. for you. Yes. Uh, so there's a few places all along the island. There's a, one restaurant called The Kitchen, which you'll notice some of the names of restaurants are maybe not the best branding. <laughs> uh restaurants and bars i think there's a bar called somewhere else or things like that and you're just like that's going to be really difficult to try and explain to people when they're looking for them but there's a place called the kitchen which i think has maybe my favorite new grub and they have fantastic thai food as well great any bars that you would suggest if people want do want to go and have a party vibe? I remember a place called Pangea. Um, Pangea, yeah, that's which was near. Bar. It wasn't that far from Coab. Yep, you just walk out to the beach as directly as you can from Coab. Turn left, walk a little bit, and it's a nice beach bar. Um, so that that's a pretty popular spot with. Um, the co-hub crowd and there is it's been a while since i've been partying covid kind of uh, killed a lot of the party vibe long there is a road is, though 
right? There's a road full of bars, if I recall. It's like backpacker there's, there's a, vibes. Like, there's a backpacker alley, backpacker road. I don't even think that's the official name for it, but that's what <laughs> everyone calls it. There's a whole bunch of bars with names like Cannabis Bar, which I don't know what they sell there, but <laughs> there are a lot uh, of day glow paintings yeah. on that on that backpacker lane. Yeah, yes, um, and it, it, there's like a little mini mart, and you would buy drinks and just sit at the mini mart because they had lots of tables. Um, <laughs> but there was just a whole bunch of bars right along there, um, so you can pretty much go there. There's a lot of hostels. It's kind of exactly. That's the closest to like a party area, probably on the island. Um, one of my other favorite bars is in south a little bit. It's called Devi Ale Cafe. I'm not a craft beer drinker, but if you are, it's probably one of the few places on the island you can get craft beer. But it's really nice. They have nice drinks and food, and it's right on the water, like most of them are with the great view but you know there's cool table lots of big bags to just sit out and have nice drinks so that's another favorite of mine you're really kind of describing this like environment where it seems like you can either just go fully into vacation mode when you're there like the tourists do or you can be on the digital nomad, like build that community side. And I like this island and how it like you can choose which which way you want to do it or do both. So it feels like it's a manageable size and you can shift into different experiences. So a friend of mine described it as Colanta as having. I can't remember his exact words, but it was something to the effect of. Colanta has no identity and that wasn't in a bad way it was in a you can make it whatever you like kind of way it doesn't have this preconceived notion about it like if you go to Copenhagen all you can think of is hippies and full moon party like you're going there it's got this reputation this vibe if you go to peepee it's like 20 year olds puking in the middle of the street um from partying till six in the morning vibe. Uh, if you go to, you know, Pattaya, it's kind of got the reputation of just being where all the hookers are. <laughs> so a lot of places have these reputations and vibes and Kowanta doesn't. Like there's almost, it's kind of, it gets to be whatever you want it to be. And that's maybe one of the beauties of it so like you said if you want to be in this kind of nomad community that's centered around cohub you can hang out with cohub people pretty much all day and night and there's almost always someone there and interested in doing whatever people organize a lot of there's like tours and stuff that are organized snorkeling trips the co-working space does it but people just you know there's a chat group but the whatsapp group and people will just say i want to do this and people go oh yeah me too let's go um so it's so a much community organizing yeah. yeah it's easy to find a group it's to go really with. easy to just connect in and it's the kind of people that want to go do try experience everything um, what kind of things so, can you do outside of the co-working and your head down and all of that? What is Colanta famous for in terms of activities? 
So I was actually going before the co-working and the reason was scuba diving. So it has my favorite scuba diving um, in Thailand so far. Um, much better than the Koh Tao side, in my opinion. Uh, there's a lot more to see and a lot more fish. Reefs felt a lot healthier. Um, so yeah, there's a few national parks. You can go scuba diving near PP. The boats do take a while because we're an island and the dive sites are a little bit further away. But you can go scuba diving near PP, which has uh, a pretty healthy, nice reef. There is a national park called Koha, which is Taz Five. So it's like the five islands, but there's actually six of them. For some weird reason, they don't count. Two of them don't count as one. I couldn't explain it if I tried, but the six five island national park is really, really, really lovely. Um, and I like to go there a lot. And you can see it's a nice reef. And if you get really lucky, you can see things like whale sharks occasionally, which that's always an exciting day. And then there's even more diving in the south where there's a place with a lot of manta rays would come there. So that's another pretty awesome experience if you can see like a in a U.S. dollar equivalent, what would you expect to pay for a day of scuba diving? Um, it really depends if you're certified or not. Let's uh, say you're certified. So if you're certified, I think you're probably paying, say, hundred conservatively. Let's say one hundred fifty dollars for a day of diving. Okay, it's um, usually like three dives or something. Yeah, so it's two or three dives for most boats, depending. Um, and there, there's speed boats. You get get there faster, get your day done a little sooner. And then there's companies that operate bigger boats, which are uh, far more comfortable. I prefer them. Like you <laughs> have. You know, some of them are two stories tall. You know, you have like a dining room floor, essentially, where, you know, when you have lunch, you have all the benches, chairs, tables, you're sitting and go lie on the roof and sunbathe. It's just very comfortable, you know, actual toilets. You're not like cramped into the little speedboat toilet in that somehow, I don't know how people do it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so there's options. There's a wide range of places you can go, but also different boats and itineraries yeah. you can have. Uh, so you said snorkeling. Islands for snorkeling too. Yeah, yeah, snorkeling and scuba diving. What else can you do if you're not into going into the water or doing water sports? If you're not going into the water, maybe you should reconsider going to, go to an island with beaches. That <laughs> seems self-defeating. Um, what if I'm just a cocktail up? drinker on the beach? I love, I'm here for the sunsets. I, this is my identity. Well, then there's plenty of bars and restaurants and you should probably be blackout drunk and never realize <laughs> that you're on an island to deal with the water. Um, but yeah. there's a national park in the South. Uh, it's a day trip. It's not somewhere you would go every day. There's go also a night market down 
there's like a, a night market down one side of the island, which I really enjoyed when I was yeah. there. Um, haggling so there, for there's like cheap t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, local markets, and it kind of rotates around the island. There's an old town on the far side of the island you can go to as a nice day trip. Um, there's a lot of just little things. One really popular thing is called Lanta Animal Welfare. It's the, like animal shelter that they take care of animals and help try and adopt them out. Um, people can go there. Uh, a lot of people really like that. You can volunteer to just walk the dogs. Like, yeah. you know, let me just go take some puppies for a walk is a nice thing to do. Um, do you think it's easy to connect with the locals on Colanta? <laughs> it's a difficult question, I think. Um, I, I think a lot of them are really friendly but the ones you're going to meet are the ones probably working at the tourist facing businesses naturally and with some of them yeah it's really nice i have local friends there that i've known for a very long time um and then there's probably a different class of locals which are the ones who are not maybe used tourist facing and i think there is definitely feels like there's a bubble um, between the two of the the locals who are going to speak English and working at the tourist stuff that you would interact with. And then there's kind of local, local, for lack of a better term, that you probably will not really interact with and probably not become friends with. Okay. To see, I mean, like, like we know, it is also just a big vacation spot. So it's designed for tourists yeah, much more than yeah, Chiang Mai or something like that. Yeah, I imagine it's hard to invest in every person who comes there because most people leave pretty quickly. I mean, it's that there's a friendly veneer, I guess. Getting mm -hmm. through that is, I don't know, probably depends on how long you stay, but it's certainly possible and I think the ones who work with the foreigners and the tourists are maybe more likely to. Um, and the easiest people are definitely the bar owners. If you want to make a local friend, <laughs> if you yeah. uh, are a big partier and drinker, they will be very friendly. And some of them are very genuinely friendly. And all they want to do is, you know, be friends with you and, Cheers. <laughs> when I went to Free Descent, I was invited to the uh, the new owner's birthday party that following Friday. And she was having it at the bar, but it was like, oh, wow, people are really friendly around here. But we were also cheersing, like you yeah. said. So um, yeah. I, I'll, I do I'll give a shout out to my favorite oh, yeah, bar go ahead. owner and bar then. Joker Bar uh, is on Long Beach, just south of Cohub. He might be the friendliest most outgoing bar owner on the island or maybe in all of thailand i'm not sure it's chad and he's wonderful and if you go visit him he will take care of you he all right maybe in a spider-man costume maybe <laughs> in some other costume that he pulls out of his attic it's uh it's always an adventure 
and okay. you can always make it your adventure, which is always fun. Sounds great. It's a joker bar. Got to shout that out. Yes. Okay. My final question for you today, Kevin, as we wrap this up is, why do you like going back to Colanta so many times? I know you also got stuck there in the pandemic. So there's a whole other layer for you now about that. But what is it about Colanta that you really recommend to people and why should they come? Um, for me, it was originally, it was just kind of the perfect mix of things that met what I wanted. Um, I love the scuba diving. I love the the beaches and the, the just physical attributes of it. it. It's not very crowded relative to some other places because it's very long and spread out. That's why I think walking is probably a horrible idea. I also do not like sweating constantly <laughs> um, all the time unless I'm in the water. Uh, so it's kind of spread out. It's a family island. So the biggest group of people that are coming there are Swedish families who are all at Huangdao, the almost the northernmost beach. Um, so it's fairly quiet, relaxed. You don't, like I said, oh, have that party vibe. There's this backpacker alley, and it's pretty small. And if you compare it to any other party area on most of the other cities and, and islands, it's pretty tiny by comparison so you don't have this kind of drunken chaos everywhere it's there if you want it and some days you might uh but it's not in your face it's not you know causing issue you just kind of like pick your own adventure and it's comfortable and then with cohub with all the people i've met going there it's just become my second home it feels like when I get back and visit it's you know I see people every place I walk into it feels like oh yeah I recognize you I know you it is just your friends around and so it feels like a second home and during COVID it was a first time for <laughs> a very long time yeah and you maybe you cooked your first meal as well <laughs> I, <laughs> Probably did, did cook my first meal okay. during that time on the island, not in yeah. my life, but on the island. Yes. Well, having a place like CoHub, like you said, I can second what you've said. It's one of the best co-working spaces in the world. If you're curious about co-working and co-living, it's a place I think people definitely need to check out, uh, especially if they like island vibes already. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you and hope to see you there soon. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your long-term knowledge about Colanta with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you.